You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include Title 42's future is unknown, the U.S. pledges more funding and weapons to Ukraine, and Sam Bankman-Fried is back in the U.S. Here's your national news recap for the week of December 18th. The White House is formally asking the U.S. Supreme Court to deny efforts to keep Title 42 in place. However, it is also asking for a delay until next week in any decision on the request by states to keep it in place if denied. The Senate is approving a nearly $1.7 trillion bill to fund the government in 2023. Senators voted to pass the omnibus measure Thursday ahead of Friday's deadline. The bill now heads to the House. The legislation includes $858 billion in defense funding, along with $45 billion in emergency assistance to Ukraine and NATO allies. The Senate is moving to pass a sweeping spending package after an immigration dispute initially delayed votes. An amendment proposed by Republican Senator Mike Lee of Utah sought to withhold funding from DHS until the border policy known as Title 42 was reinstated. It allows for migrants to be quickly expelled at the border without asylum processing. The amendment ultimately failed in a 47-50 to 50 vote. Title 42 was due to end Wednesday, but a group of GOP-led states successfully got Chief Justice John Roberts to stop that from happening. Officials are concerned the end of the policy will lead to an influx of migrants at the border. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is reflecting on her career in her last weekly briefing as the Democratic leader. When I came to Congress, there were 23 women out of 435 people, over 400 men. In a message to women aiming to enter Congress, she advised them to be themselves and to be confident about what they have to bring to the table. Pelosi, who became the first woman to lead the House, is ending her long leadership tenure when the new Congress convenes in January. She'll continue to represent her San Francisco district. Texas Governor Greg Abbott says his state has bused more than 15,000 migrants to Democratic cities across the country. Migrants have been bused to Washington, D.C., New York City, Chicago, and Philadelphia since April. The effort is aimed at pressuring President Biden to stiffen his immigration policies, which Republicans say have led to a record high number of border crossings. Abbott says there have been more than 336,000 migrant apprehensions and more than 23,000 criminal arrests at the border since March of last year. President Biden is calling for unity as Americans are readying to celebrate the holidays. So this Christmas, let's spread a little kindness. This Christmas, let's be that that helping hand, that strong shoulder, that friendly voice when no one else seems to care for those who are struggling. It just might be the best gift you can ever give. In a Christmas address from the White House, Biden said there's more that unites us than which divides us. He said he hopes 2023 will be the year the nation drains the poison that has infected politics and turned Americans against one another. 
Elon Musk is announcing he will resign as CEO of Twitter. On Tuesday, Musk tweeted that he will step down when he finds someone foolish enough to take over. He said once he steps down as CEO, he will continue to run the software and server teams. It's been a shaky night for folks in Northern California. The USGS says a magnitude 6.4 earthquake struck near Ferndale just after 2 a.m. Pacific time Wednesday. That's since been followed by at least four smaller quakes. No tsunami warning has been issued, and there have been no reports of significant damages or injuries. Some people have, however, taken to social media with stories of their power being knocked out or their entire house shaking as a result. Blizzard warnings are in effect across a large stretch of the country thanks to a brutal storm system that's hitting millions. A massive winter storm that's bringing snow to places like Kansas City and Chicago through the day today. It'll eventually bring blizzard conditions to folks in those areas in the upper Midwest and Great Lakes as well. NBC News meteorologist Angie Lastman says those warnings are up in place from eastern Montana all the way to Buffalo. Cities and counties surrounding Minneapolis are being warned of impossible and life-threatening travel from Thursday. Thursday afternoon through Friday night. Meanwhile, major cities under winter storm warnings include Kansas City, St. Louis, Chicago, Indianapolis, and Cleveland. Down south, hard freeze warnings stretch from Dallas to the Alabama-Georgia border. A judge is again denying bond for the adoptive grandmother of a San Diego County child who died after she was apparently tortured and abused. Adela Tom will stay behind bars while she awaits trial on abuse and torture charges in connection with the death of her 11-year-old granddaughter, Arabella McCormick, back in August. The judge wouldn't release Tom because she's a resident of Lucerne Valley in San Bernardino County and doesn't have a San Diego County address, agreeing with the prosecution that Tom could go on the run. Tom, her husband Stanley, and daughter Letitia McCormick have pleaded not guilty and will be back in court in January. Pounds of fentanyl and methamphetamine were seized from two suspects in Huntington Beach on Wednesday. They were arrested after an officer stopped a vehicle after seeing the driver and passenger get out and litter. The two did not deny there were narcotics in the car. The driver, who said he was on probation, allowed the officer to search the vehicle. Officers found five pounds of fentanyl and methamphetamine. Both the driver and passenger were arrested for allegedly possessing narcotics for sale. According to Huntington Beach Police Department, the two people are also suspected of shipping fentanyl out of the country from Orange County. Additional charges are pending. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your national news. This is Connor Brown with the International News Report. All sources coming from Reuters. The United States will provide $1.85 billion in additional military assistance for Ukraine, including a transfer of the Patriot Air Defense System, President Joe Biden and Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said on Wednesday. The announcement came as Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky arrived in Washington to meet Biden and address Congress in his first known overseas trip since Russia invaded Ukraine 300 days ago. The Patriot System is a defense system. It's not escalatory. It's defensive, Biden said in a joint news briefing with Zelensky. We love to not have to use them. Just stop the attacks, Biden added. The assistance includes a $1 billion drawdown to provide Ukraine with expanded air defense and precision strike capabilities. The $850 million in security assistance, Lincoln said in a separate statement. The Patriot is considered to be one of the most advanced U.S. air defense systems and offers protection against aircraft, crews, and ballistic missiles. It typically includes launchers along with radar and other support vehicles. Zelensky on Wednesday said the U.S 
promise to provide the Patriot surface-to-air missile defense system was an important step in creating an effective air shield. Russia said last week that U.S. plans to supply Patriot missile defense systems to Ukraine were a provocation and a further expansion of U.S. military involvement in the Ukraine conflict. Since Russia's invasion of Ukraine on February 24th, the United States has committed about $21.2 billion in military assistance to Kyiv. Zelensky said earlier that his U.S. visit was meant to strengthen Ukraine's resilience and defense capabilities amid repeated Russian missile and drone attacks on the country's energy and water supplies in the dead of winter. And for our second story of the day, President Vladimir Putin said on Thursday that Russia wants to end the war in Ukraine and that this would inevitably involve a diplomatic solution. Putin made the comments a day after U.S. President Joe Biden promised Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky in the White House and promised him continued and unwavering U.S. support. Our goal is not to spin the flywheel of military conflict, but on the contrary, to end this war, Putin said. We will strive for an end to this, and the sooner the better, of course. White House spokesman John Kirby said Putin has shown absolutely zero indication that he's willing to negotiate an end to the war, which began when Moscow sent troops into Ukraine on February 24th. Quite the contrary, Kirby told reporters during an online briefing, everything he, Putin, is doing on the ground and in the air bespeaks a man who wants to continue to visit violence upon the Ukrainian people and escalate the war. Kirby reiterated that Biden was open to talks with Putin, but only after the Russian leader showed a seriousness about negotiations and after consultations with Ukraine and U.S. allies. Russia has persistently said it is open to negotiations, but Ukraine and its allies suspect a ploy to buy time after a series of Russian defeats and retreats that have swung the momentum of the 10-month war in favor of Kyiv. I have said this many times. The intensification of hostilities leads to unjustified losses, Putin told reporters. All armed conflicts end one way or another with some kind of negotiations on the diplomatic track, he added. Sooner or later, any parties in a state of conflict sit down and make an agreement. The sooner this realization comes to those who oppose us, the better. We have never given up on this. And for our third and final story of today, Afghanistan's Taliban-run administration said on Thursday it had closed universities to women, probably due to female students not adhering to its interpretation of the Islamic dress code and a decision that was condemned globally. Female university students were turned away from campuses on Wednesday, and the higher education ministry said their access would be suspended until further notice. The move prompted strong condemnation from foreign governments and criticism from some Afghans, sparking protests in Afghan cities. Acting higher education minister Nida Mohammed Nadi in his first comments on the matter, told the Afghan state broadcaster RTA that several issues had prompted the decision, including female students not wearing appropriate Islamic attire and interaction between students of different genders taking place. They didn't observe hijab. They're coming with the clothes that mostly women wear to go to a wedding, he said. Since the Taliban took over, students and professors say university classes have been separated by gender and female students have adjusted their attire to meet instructions such as covering their face and wearing dark colors. Dozens of women gathered outside Kabul University on Thursday to protest in the first major public demonstration in the capital since the decision. The higher education minister said in his interview that the Taliban asked the world not to interfere in our affairs. Nadim said discussions over female education were ongoing. The Taliban-led administration had already drawn criticism, including from foreign governments, for not opening girls' high schools at the start of the school year in March, making a U-turn on signals that it would do. Former U.S. President George W. Bush, who ordered the U.S.-led invasion of Afghanistan in 2001 following the al-Qaeda attacks on the United States, and his wife, Laura, added their voices on Thursday to the criticism of the ban and the Taliban's treatment of women. Treating women as second-class citizens, depriving them of their universal human rights, and denying them the opportunity to better themselves and their communities should generate outrage among all of us, they said in a statement posted on Twitter. And this was Connor Brown with your international news report.
And now with a look at local news, I'm Lee Kirshner. The one-time crypto king and former CEO of FTX, Sam Berkman-Fried, was due in court Thursday in New York City. He arrived in New York late Wednesday night after being extradited from the Bahamas. Berkman-Fried is charged with wire fraud, money laundering, and campaign finance violations connected to the collapse of the failed cryptocurrency exchange, FTX. Beckman-Fried denies the charges. Two of his former associates pleaded guilty to criminal charges for their roles that contributed to FTX's collapse on Wednesday. After nearly one year in office, New York City Mayor Eric Adams noted a double-digit decrease in shootings and homicides in 2022, saying law enforcement will make more gains next year. The mayor says gun arrests are at a 27-year high, and the NYPD has seized nearly 7,000 guns, more than 400 of which were considered ghost guns. He also claims significant progress has been made to improve conditions at Rikers Island. The New Jersey Senate approved five Superior Court judges and passed new gun legislation on Monday. The bill would establish stricter regulations with gun ownership and for obtaining a permit. It would also create new fees and fines for gun owners. This legislation barely passed in the Senate, but is expected to be signed by Governor Phil Murphy. It is also anticipated to be challenged in court. A fire erupted at a Burlington County Elementary School on Thursday. The fire occurred at the Parkway Elementary School in Mount Laurel Township. All students and staff were confirmed safe, but the damage to the building prevents re-entry until further notice. A man was arrested on Wednesday for alleged shootings in the Bronx and in Philadelphia. 39-year-old Tremaine Salisbury is accused of shooting a Philadelphia Parking Authority officer and was named a person of interest in the shooting of a Bronx Sunoco gas station employee, both of which occurred last month. According to law enforcement, location history and vehicle information led to the suspect's identification. An ATM exploded at a Wells Fargo bank in the Chestnut Hill section of Philadelphia. The incident was reported at 4 a.m. Thursday morning. Philadelphia police, the bomb squad, and fire officials were on hand to investigate. No injuries were reported. The Camden City School District is requiring all students and staff to wear masks for the first two weeks after winter break. This decision was made following the increase in COVID, flu, and RSV this winter. A bipartisan bill that requires New Jersey schools to teach media literacy passed the state legislature this week. The bill proposes that media literacy is taught at all grade levels and will be finalized with Governor Murphy's approval. A grant program is being set up to help cannabis startups in New Jersey. The New Jersey Economic Development Authority Board is creating the Cannabis Equity Grants Program. It aims to help startups with assistance for early-stage expenses and technical training. Up to $10 million in state funding will be made available for applicants. And Netflix is closing a deal to build a new production facility in New Jersey. The company plans to develop a state-of-the-art facility at the former Fort Monmouth in Monmouth County, which has been sitting mostly vacant for the past 10 years. Netflix plans to put nearly $900 million towards constructing the half-a-million-square-foot facility that will include a dozen sound stages. Once complete, the facility near Eatontown and Oceanport is expected to bring in more than 1,500 permanent jobs to the area. And that's local news. I'm Lee Kirshner.
I'm Dante DiValerio with your Rowan News. Dr. Chun Wu, Associate Professor in the Departments of Chemistry, Biochemistry, and Biological and Biomedical Sciences in the College of Science and Mathematics at Rowan University, will soon use the Anton II supercomputer to better understand the mechanisms behind a proven immunotherapy treatment used for certain blood cancers. What Wu discovers through these simulations could one day lead to new treatments for more common and hard-to-treat solid tumors often found in cancers of the lung, breast, and prostate, among other types of cancers. Wu's work on the supercomputer will focus on immunotherapy treatment called chimeric antigen receptor T-cell therapy, or CAR T-cell therapy. CAR T-cell therapy begins with removing immune cells from the patient's blood, then isolating and activating the T-cells that naturally fight cancer. Scientists genetically engineer these living T-cells in a lab to contain a tumor-specific antigen receptor. The modified T-cells are then given to the patient by infusion. As these T-cells replicate, they seek and destroy cancer cells more effectively than the patient's natural occurring T-cells. The libraries at Rowan University excel in assisting students in evaluating the credibility of online information, a national survey has determined. In a random sampling of 50 universities across the region, a pair of Stanford University education professors analyzed institutional websites to find resources available to students to determine the credibility of online information. Two survey authors, Nadav Zeev and Emma Bene, determined that Rowan stands out for offering consistently networked advice to students. Zeev and Bene have stated, after giving advice on how to determine if a site is worth their time, Rowan offers students tools to engage with the information that the site provides. Rowan then differentiates between information literacy strategies to use when landing on an unfamiliar site versus the ones to use after that site's credibility has been determined externally. I'm Dante DiValerio. This has been your Rowan News. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce along with the Rowan Radio News Team. This is Danny Ryan for the Rowan Report with your professional sports news. Starting in the MLB, there have been a few offseason shakeups since we last spoke, most notably involving Carlos Correa and the San Francisco Giants. At around 2.30 Wednesday morning, John Heyman of the New York Post and MLB Network reported that the San Francisco Giants deal with Carlos Correa fell through following a disagreement between the two parties with Correa's physical. With the initial agreement off of the table from the Giants, Steve Cohen and the New York Mets swooped in at the right time making a deal in the middle of the night. Correa signed a 12-year, $315 million deal with the Mets as he joins an infield alongside Francisco Lindor, Jeff McNeil, and Pete Alonso. With Lindor occupying shortstop, Correa joins the Mets planning to play third base until the year 2034. In other MLB news, former San Diego Padre Brandon Drury will move from San Diego to Anaheim, California joining the Los Angeles Angels on a two-year, $17 million contract. Switching from the MLB to the NFL, let's check in on the injury news from around the league. Starting in the AFC, the AFC South leading Tennessee Titans may have lost their starting quarterback Ryan Tannehill for the remainder of the season, including playoffs. This would force rookie quarterback Malik Willis into playoff action, despite appearing in just five games so far this season. 
Staying in the AFC South, the Indianapolis Colts have officially shut down starting running back Jonathan Taylor for the remainder of the 2022 season. The Colts also plan to finish their last three games of the season with 2018 Super Bowl champion Nick Foles as their starting quarterback. From the AFC to the NFC, the NFC East leading Philadelphia Eagles will be without their starting quarterback and MVP favorite Jalen Hurts. Gardner Minshew is set to fill in for Jalen Hurts tonight against the Cowboys in a Christmas Eve battle of two NFC East rivals. Minshew gets set to start just his third game in two seasons with Philadelphia, looking to raise his stock heading into next season. And finally, finishing off in the NBA. Two current Eastern Conference stars could request a trade by the end of the NBA season. Those two stars being Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks and DeMar DeRozan of the Chicago Bulls. So far in 2022, the Hawks sit right at 500 with a record of 16 and 16, while the struggling Chicago Bulls hold the 11th spot in the East at 13 and 18. Bleacher Report initially reported this article stating that due to tension in Chicago and lack of contract negotiations for Trey Young in Atlanta, these scenarios are becoming more realistic as the season progresses. And lastly, let's discuss the New York Knicks. The NBA announced Wednesday afternoon that the New York Knicks would lose their 2025 second round pick as a result of the league's investigation into the team's signing of guard Jalen Brunson this summer as a free agent. Despite losing their second round pick in 2025, the NBA stated that the Knicks fully cooperated in this extensive investigation. Once again, this has been Danny Ryan for the Rowan Report with your professional sports news right here on Rowan Radio. I'm Megan Steckler with your Roan Report business update. Amazon customers will continue to be able to tip their delivery drivers. The online retailer is extending its Thank My Driver program that lets customers give drivers a $5 tip. Drivers receive the tip whenever a customer tells Alexa to do so when using an Echo, Echo Show, or Amazon's mobile app. Amazon launched the tip program on December 7th, but ended it after just one day after getting more than a million requests. The number of Americans filing for unemployment benefits is rising slightly. The Labor Department says 216,000 people sought first-time benefits last week. That's a jump of 2,000 from the previous week's revised total. Connecticut, Washington, D.C., and Nevada had the largest increases for the week that ended December 10th. New York, California, and Georgia saw the largest declines. The IRS is accused of being asleep at the wheel, handling former President Trump's tax returns. That's the accusation leveled by the chairman of the Senate Finance Committee. Oregon Democrat Ron Wyden said the decades-old presidential audit program is broken. His comments were made following the House reporting that the IRS only started one audit of Trump's personal income tax returns during his four-year term in the White House, despite its rules requiring annual audits. Wells Fargo is being ordered to pay $3.7 billion to right its financial wrongs. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau says the bank's illegal conduct caused financial harm to customers and led to the loss of homes and vehicles. The CFPB ordered Wells Fargo to return more than $2 billion to affected customers and pay a $1.7 billion civil penalty to a government victim's relief fund. For its part, Wells Fargo said the settlement provides clarity and a path forward on termination of the 2018 CFPB consent order. I'm Megan Steckler and this has been your Business News Report. And now it's time for your weekly entertainment recap with me, Karina Cologne. 
Sonia Eddy, a longtime star on ABC's General Hospital, is dead at 55. Fellow actress Octavia Spencer announced on Instagram that Eddie died Monday night. She wrote, The world lost another creative angel. Spencer did not detail the circumstances of Eddie's death. A London court has dropped all six sexual assault charges filed against Rex Orange County's Alex O'Connor. The singer-songwriter released a statement saying he was wrongly accused of touching someone on their leg, neck, back, and bottom, and is grateful to be cleared of any wrongdoing. O'Connor explained that video footage contradicted the victim's story. He also said the victim's partner gave a statement that didn't support the allegations. Rapper Tory Lanez is under fire after allegedly falling asleep during his trial against Megan Thee Stallion. Lanez is accused of shooting Megan's feet after a pool party at Kylie Jenner's house in 2020. Wednesday marked day 8 of the Los Angeles trial, and Lanez appeared to be falling asleep as jury instructions were being given. Closing arguments are set to begin soon. While Harvey Weinstein is guilty of sexually assaulting a Southern California woman, it appears there will be no aggravating factors. The jury who convicted him on Monday failed to reach agreement on Tuesday when it came to potentially extending his prison term. Because of the deadlock, the judge is declaring a mistrial, but only for the aggravating factors phase. Another court hearing is set for January 9th. Afro Man has announced he's running for president of the United States of America in 2024. The rapper took to Instagram on Tuesday to officially launch his bid for presidency, sharing a picture of him standing proudly in front of the U.S. flag with his hand over his heart. In the caption, Afro Man cited rising inflation, a struggling economy, corrupt politicians, and many other issues as a reason for him running for office. Justin Bieber is on the verge of a major music deal. The Wall Street Journal reports Bieber is set to sell the rights to his entire music catalog to Hypnosis Songs Capital for a cool $200 million. The deal will cover all of Bieber's music, including six albums and dozens of singles and collaborations. The maker of the popular video game Fortnite is settling violations of child privacy laws. Epic Games will pay $520 million in fines after the FTC alleged children were exposed to dangerous and psychologically traumatizing issues in violation of the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. Epic said it accepted the agreement because it wants to be at the forefront of consumer protection and provide the best experience for players. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are executive producing a new documentary series with Netflix called Live to Lead. This comes after the success of their series, Harry and Meghan, which detailed the couple's exit from the royal family. The new series will feature interviews with world leaders, including the late U.S. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I'm Karina Cologne, and this has been your weekly entertainment recap here on Rowan Radio. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Rowan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.